Today on Blue 58, the Packers have a new defensive coordinator. Welcome to the Jeff Halfley era. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, and I'm happy to be with you here for another episode. We've got a new defensive coordinator. The Packers have hired Jeff Halfley, most recently of Boston College, but previously of Ohio State and San Francisco and Cleveland and Tampa Bay and a whole bunch of other places. So let's get to know this guy. Well, before we get to know him, let's talk initial reaction and then unpacking the reaction a little bit. Right out of the gate, I have to admit, I was a little bit bewildered by this. Just so unexpected, so out of nowhere. I had to sit down and force myself to not do a reaction podcast because I wanted to avoid being kind of the prisoner of the moment. And there was some of that going around in our Discord server, to be sure. Um, just the unexpected nature, given some of the guys that the Packers had had talked to in this process, seeing a guy like Halfley, who is not, I think, a household name, get the gig, it just it came out of nowhere. And there was just so little movement. There's no dribs and drabs of information coming out. And then suddenly we've got a hire, and it's Halfley, and he wasn't even among the, the candidates interviewed. Candidate list also apparently included Wink Martindale, according to Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, which he reported after the fact. Honestly, not a terrific week for the Packers beat. Every All of the relevant information really came from the national beat one way or another, and even including the actual hire of the guy that the Packers ended up getting. So... Initially, feels like a little bit of a surprise and not necessarily a good one, considering, I think, how good some of the candidates the Packers had interviewed were. I think Denard Wilson remains a very good candidate, probably going to be a good defensive coordinator someday, but Halfley fits a lot of the things that we were looking for. Nominally, and, and boiling it down to just one thing, I think he is a pretty big swing here. If we wanted a big swing, this is one. No NFL defensive coordinator experience. And In fact, he's never actually had full control of a defense. Sure, you can count being a head coach, but he was the co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State. And a good but not great head coach based on the results. In fact, may have been in a little bit of a hot water situation heading into this fall. Some reports, depending on who you ask, had him maybe not even lasting the season, depending how things started at Boston College there. But as I've researched more, as I've settled into the reaction here a little bit, um, I, I think... I really like Jeff Halfley, and I think there's a lot to like about him. So I'm going to share as many details about him as I've been able to uncover, most of which I think are, are have been covered at least in part elsewhere, but not in the way that we are going to cover them. We're, we're going pretty deep here, and I've got some good quotes and good information from just about every stop on his coaching journey. So basically, I want to start with the details and history of his career here, then talk about what, what some of his scheme stuff is going to look like, hopefully. And then dive into what some of the the people have said about uh, Halfley. And then talk a little bit more in his own words. Like, who is this guy? What does he see himself as? So that's the plan. We've got a lot to cover, so let's start covering it. The Jeff Halfley experience begins back in 2001. His first coaching gig is at Wooster Polytechnical Institute, a D3 college. Stayed there for just two or just one season before he jumped over to become a defensive assistant at Albany, was there for a few years, uh, in the, first in that capacity, then was a defensive backs coach for, for a couple of years there as well. 
Then he jumped over to Pittsburgh, where his coaching career really started to take off. 2006 and 7, he's a defensive assistant there. 2008, 9, and 10, he's a defensive backs coach. Uh, Dave Wanstatt was the head coach at Pittsburgh at the time, had great things to say about Halfley when he was promoted. This in particular, quote, Halfley is an outstanding young coach who is highly driven and ready for this opportunity. Jeff played a vital role in our weekly defensive planning this year. His knowledge, organizational skill, and rapport with our players and staff have made him a tremendous asset for Pitt, end quote. That is something you will hear a lot about Halfley. Great, great relationships with players everywhere that he goes. Worked with a bunch of different notable people at Pitt as well. Head coach Dave Wanstead, who pops up a couple other places in his coaching journey. Uh, Coach Darrell Rivas when he was at Pittsburgh, but also connected with future Packers coaches. uh, Brian Angelicchio, who was Packers tight end coach here a couple years ago. Uh, Frank Signetti, who was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for Pitt, coached quarterbacks for the Packers in 2018. And offensive assistant Luke Getze, who held a variety of roles with the Packers uh, then about 15 years later. From Pitt, he jumped over to Rutgers, where he hooked up with Greg Schiano. Uh, he coached defensive backs for Schiano at Rutgers in 2011, and he was brought to Rutgers in part because of his recruiting prowess. Uh, there's a, a local recruit from the New Jersey area, Max Isaka, who was originally a Pitt recruit and ended up uh, taking a lot of time to um, consider his his switch over to to Rutgers in part because of Halfley. He said at the time, quote, I think Coach Jeff on the whole, East Coast really is the best recruiting coordinator. Coach Ciano played his cards right there. I don't have a clue what I'm going to do now because Coach Halfley was the one guiding me through the whole process, end quote. Again, not a quote in isolation there. A lot of people had similar things to say about Halfley. Uh, in Rutgers, he worked, of course, with head coach Greg Schiano and uh, offensive coordinator Frank Signetti, who worked with Schiano there as well. Schiano jumps up to the NFL the next year, 2012, and takes Halfley with him. He's the assistant defensive backs coach there in 2012, gets promoted to safeties in 2013. While he's in Tampa, he works with Bill Sheridan, their defensive coordinator, again with Brian Angelicchio, who's the tight ends coach there, ends up coaching Rondé Barber and Darrell Rivas with the Buccaneers there as well during his couple seasons there. From there, he jumps over to the Cleveland Browns for the 2014 and 2015 seasons. If you remember correctly, you may not remember this at all, and why would you, uh, but Mike Pettin was the defensive coordinator with Rex Ryan in Buffalo for a single season in 2013. And the the Browns job just kind of came out of nowhere for him where he was named the head coach of the Browns. He was. It came so out of nowhere that he was hiring people for the Bills for their next staff for 2013 before he was offered the job in Cleveland. January 17th, 2014, uh, the report is that Jeff Halfley was named a defensive backs coach with the Buffalo Bills to work with Mike Pettin. Nine days later, maybe, no, 11 days later, January 28th, uh, Pettin is named the head coach of the Cleveland Browns and brings Halfley with him to Cleveland and ends up putting together a pretty spectacular staff there in Cleveland. Uh, Halfley, while he's in Cleveland with Mike Patton, works with a whole bunch of other guys who have both coached with the Packers and coached throughout the NFL. Packers coaches in Cleveland, Mike Patton, Sean Menenga, Brian Angelicchio, and Ryan Downard, who is still with the Packers today. But other NFL coaches on that coaching roster, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, Bobby Babbage, Aaron Glenn, 
Anthony Weaver, who is currently the Ravens assistant head coach and defensive line coach, Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings head coach, all of those guys were with there in 2014 and 2015. As an aside, it's amazing that of all those guys on the Brown staff in 2014 and 2015, the Packers have hired Pettin, Menenga, Angelicio, and Downer, none of whom have made a terrific, huge impact in Green Bay to this point. Uh, it's just a little bit funny how that's worked out. You've got a bunch of well-regarded guys on this staff, and the Packers have so far nabbed none of them. Let's hope that Halfley is the exception to that rule. Also rubbed shoulders with, with a bunch of notable players there in Cleveland as well. He coached Joe Hayden, who made the Pro Bowl in 2014. He coached Dante Whitner, who was an All-Pro in 2014. Jim Leonard was there as a player. Tremont Williams was there as a player. Tashawn Gibson was there as a player. Uh, also uh, later as a Packer, Ibrahim Campbell, Campbell uh, played with the, the Cleveland Browns there as well, did a, a lot of stuff uh, under Mike Pettin in Green Bay over a couple of years too. Then I think you can say that uh, Halfley gets his real big break there because even though uh, his star has been rising, uh, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, things really take off for him when he connects with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, he is there from 2016 to 2018 coaching their defensive backs and works with a bunch of different notable guys again. There he's working under defensive coordinator Jim O'Neill, who had been the coordinator in Tampa under under um, Greg Schiano, and then gets the same gig under Chip Kelly uh, in San Francisco for a year. Uh, he meets up with Kevin O'Connell again. He's there with Robert Sala. Uh, he later, uh, that we're, we're messing up the timeline a little bit there, but uh, Halfley survives the transition from Chip Kelly to Kyle Shanahan, and then Sala comes on as the defensive coordinator. Under Sala, he works with Johnny Holland, the former Packers player, uh, who's the linebackers coach in San Francisco. He works with, initially, uh, defensive quality control coach D'Amico Ryan, who bumps over to linebackers, now the head coach in Houston, after getting a, a shot as the defensive coordinator in San Francisco. Uh, also, defensive quality control coach Bobby Slowick is there. He's now the offensive coordinator in Houston. Also, a little guy named Adam Stenovich happens to be the offensive line coach there in San Francisco, um, as well as pass game coordinator uh, Mike LaFleur, a brother of Matt LaFleur. In San Francisco, uh, Halfley coaches a couple notable notable defensive backs, Antoine Bethay, who's probably more notable for his time with the New York Giants, but also Richard Sherman, who was good with the 49ers, but great with the San Francisco, or with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Sherman really likes Halfley. And you don't have to love Richard Sherman. You can think he's a loudmouth. You can think he's uh, arrogant or cocky or whatever. But there's two things that I think are true about Richard Sherman. One, he knows football. And two, he's going to shoot straight with you. He's not going to blow smoke. And when asked about Halfley, here's what Richard Sherman had to say. Do you like uh, Halfley? What do you like about him? His preparation is, is is some of the best I've seen. You know, I've had some great defensive back coaches, some great defensive coaches, defensive minds, um, and he's right up there. He's with his preparation and how he breaks down film and how easy and simple he makes the game plan sound and how easy he makes it for guys to understand. Like, he paints a a very vivid picture of, of what you're going to see, and, and it's all about executing. So there you have it from a all-pro, Pro Bowl, Hall of Fame caliber player, another guy saying this guy knows how to explain stuff to people. Importantly, in San Francisco, Halfley crosses paths with Ryan Day, who gets a job at Ohio State, eventually becomes the head coach at Ohio State. He brings Halfley over to be the co-defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach in 2019. 
I don't want to fixate too much on the college stuff for a couple of reasons. First, at Ohio State, you've just got a stacked roster, so the scheme stuff doesn't really matter. And then at Boston College, the way you have to scheme in college is so different from the NFL that I don't want to spend a whole lot of time obsessing about what he did there, aside from some philosophical things, which we'll touch on in a little bit. But Halfley does cross paths with a bunch of notable players at Ohio State, Jeff Okuda, Chase Young, Jordan Fuller, Damon Arnett, Jonathan Cooper. It, it's a it's a long, long list. There's way more guys. Pete Werner was on that team. A bunch of guys who ended up playing in the NFL were on that roster in 2019. Then he gets the job at Boston College as their head coach. From 2020 to 2023, he ends up as the head coach at Boston College. And what a time to become an NFL head coach. You've been working, or a, a, a college head coach, you've been working your whole life, climbing the ranks, you're in college, you go up to the NFL, you make all these connections. Finally, you become a defensive coordinator, you have a lot of success at Ohio State, and then things really open up for you. It's time for you to be a head coach. You take over in January 2020, and then two and a half months later, everything just kind of falls apart. And then not only that, but the entire landscape of college football changes after that with the NIL stuff. It's a different gig in 2022 than it is in 2020, and then by 2023, uh, things are starting to wind down, apparently, a little bit for him uh, at at Boston College. There are a couple notable connections from his time at Boston College, though. He connects with Frank Signetti again. He's the offensive coordinator for Halfley. And then Tem Lukabu is his defensive coordinator. He had been with Halfley at Rutgers, Tampa Bay, and San Francisco. He's currently the outside linebackers coach with the Panthers. He was just hired there last year. If you're looking for a name of somebody the Packers might be interested in bringing on, if Halfley gets to bring in some of his own guys, Lukabu would probably be one of them. He seems like a very upwardly mobile coach, uh, well thought of at Boston College, uh, and and was well thought of enough that he was plucked from Boston College to be a, a, an NFL coach. I think he is he's he's got a future in the NFL. In fact, got an interview for the Patriots' defensive coordinator job this offseason. Uh, Halfley also coached Isaiah McDuffie at Boston College, was one of his better players during his time there, and now, of course, he is with the Green Bay Packers. So that's the history on Halfley. Now he's the defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. Let's talk scheme. So Halfley has crossed paths with a bunch of different guys, and he's actually talked about how that's that's kind of a challenging thing uh, in your career to, to deal with all of those things. Back in 2018, he sat down with Mark Mayakoko, uh, or, or Mayoko of the 49ers Talk podcast and, and basically address that whole whole issue. What's it like to have to learn all of these different things? When you first start, it's hard because it's staying up late at night studying so I can learn it well enough to teach it. Um, but from Cochiano in Tampa to Mike Pettin to that whole Rex Ryan system, very different. Um, and then back with Jim O'Neill my first year in San Francisco – it was easy because it's what we ran in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And then now with Coach Sala, it's very different because now we're playing three deep. Um, so I've been in different systems all along the way, which, you know, at times it's like, man, I wish I had three years in the same system, you know. But but now I've kind of formulated my own thoughts and my own ideas, and I think down the road it's really going to help me because I have been around some really good football coaches. Greg Schiano is one of the best defensive coaches I've been around. And then the combination of Mike Pettin and Jim O'Neill, that whole system is very complex. 
and there's a lot of good things you can take from it. And, and I mean that. There's a lot of good things. And, and now to learn this system um, that Robert had, had been with in Seattle and Jacksonville, um, it's really sound and it's really solid and it's, it's hard to go against for an offense. So, so now that I've kind of learned them and got to coach them, it's exciting because I've been exposed to a lot. That Sala scheme is important because I think that's going to be his biggest influence here uh, in what he eventually became as a head coach. And now just a quick aside on what the Sala scheme is, the best and most concise summary I've heard or read of what that scheme is actually comes from Kyle Shanahan. He spoke with the Sacramento Bee back in 2018 describing uh, the scheme. Actually, he said it, this on his radio show, but the, the article about the defense uh, described basically the approach to what this defense is. What is the base of the Robert Sala style defense? Here's the piece, quoting from the Sacramento Bee. Quote, Kyle Shanahan confirmed Friday that new 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala will run the defense that has propelled the arch-rival Seattle Seahawks to the top of the NFC West in recent seasons. Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll has described it as a 4-3 defense that uses 3-4 personnel. The 49ers have used a true 3-4 in which there are three down linemen plus two outside linebackers uh, towing the line of scrimmage as their base personnel for the past decade or so and have chosen two prototypical 3-4 defensive linemen, Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner, in the first round of the last two drafts. Now Shanahan weighs in. I think all that is uh, I think all that is semantics, to tell the truth. Seattle has a linebacker on the ball every single play, so does Atlanta, and that's five guys on the line of scrimmage. So whether you call it a 4-3 or a 3-4, for the most part, we call it a 4-3, end quote. So technically, you could say this represents a change probably for the Packers to a 4-3 defense. We'll dive into that more a little bit down the road here. But I think that distinction is essentially meaningless. It, it doesn't matter that much in the NFL anymore. The, it's funny. It was funny to me to, to read back some of these older reports about what this defense is, and people have really gotten hung up on the 4-3 or 3-4 distinction on the, the solid defense, which is funny because coming from Seattle, working under Gus Bradley, and then doing the same thing under Gus Bradley in Jacksonville, it was always... I've always heard it described as cover three, cover three, cover three. And why wouldn't you run a cover three scheme when you've got Earl Thomas who can go sideline to sideline, Richard Sherman who's going to lock down half a field by himself as a cornerback, and then you just drop in another guy on the other side and figure out how to make it work. And the, the Seahawks were able to do that again and again and again. Boy, that that seems like a pretty good approach to me. So the three four four three stuff is is almost meaningless. It's more about what you're doing on the back end. So what is Halfley doing on the back end? This is one quote that you may have seen already. But Adam Brenneman talked with Halfley just last week, January 25th. He he recorded this podcast. It drops January 30th. Halfley leaves January 31st, and now we're all talking about how he's going to implement this with the Green Bay Packers. But Brenneman asked him. You know, what is the Jeff Halfley scheme? What is it that you're trying to do on the field? We've been more middle-close defense with a safety in the middle of the field than probably most people in college football. Um, Most people are some type of too high quarter space, and I get it for the quarterback run game. So Mm -hmm. we've had to kind of trend in that direction as well. But I've, I've done a lot. I've done a lot, at least the starting point with the middle close with four down linemen. Um, Very similar to what we did in San Francisco and Ohio State. A lot of people doing in the NFL. 
Um, but I've started to adapt and create different one high shells, which really play like two high shells and get extra guys in the box. Yeah. You just got to stop the quarterback run game. So it's yeah. a different, it's almost when I talk to my friends in the NFL and we talk defense together, it's almost a different game. Yeah. So, uh, that's again, mostly about the coverage stuff. When you talk about the scheme, the first thing he, he does not talk about is his front. He's not talking about what the defensive linemen are doing, what the pass rushers are doing. He wants to talk about the defensive backs because that is the real difference in a lot of schemes today. Ah, but you say, John, you always say that that scheme is secondary to players. So what kind of players does Jeff Halfley want? Has he ever talked about that? Yeah, actually he has. We're returning now to the 49ers Talk podcast and Mark Mayoko, uh, who asked Halfley, you know, when you're looking at this Robert Sala style defense, when you're looking at the cover three stuff that you want to do, what are you looking for from your defensive backs? What kind of things are you thinking about? Here's Halfley's answer. You look at the safety spot, your strong safety needs to be more of a, a bigger linebacker type and force your guy you want in the box. At the same time, he has to be, he has to have man-to-man skills because he is going to be in man and he is going to have to carry verticals in certain zone coverages that we have. Um, your middle... Is that gets mostly against uh, tight ends? And yeah, against, against tight ends for the most part, but there's times if you have the right guy and you can match him up against wide receivers, it's a benefit to the defense because... Now they don't know, are we in man or are we in zone? Um, so if you're fortunate to get a guy like that, that's very helpful. As far as the, the free safety goes, you want a guy who can, what we call go red line to red line and really roam that back end and make plays from sideline to sideline and, and track inside out on the ball and get the ball carried down when things pop open. Those are his primary responsibilities. And then for your corners, you know, there's always the, everyone in this system kind of says, oh, you're, just, you're a three deep corner, you're a three deep corner, but you're in a lot of man too. So you got to have man skills, and you have to be able to play three deep in zone. Um, but again, I'm not one to say there's a, a specific prototype player. Yeah, I mean, you love to have a big guy with length who can run, and that's the perfect corner for any system. Like the guy can play man too. You just you need players who are smart, have ball skills, have speed, um, and can mix up play man and play zone. He also wants his defensive backs to support hard against the run. Found this quote from his time with the Cleveland Browns. The, the Browns were not short of talent in the secondary, but it didn't always show up. Uh, the defense didn't always play well against the run as they did against the pass. And somebody asked Halfley about that. He said this prior to the 2015 season, quote, we've got a lot to prove this year. To be the best secondary in the NFL, we, also, we need to also take run defense to the next level. We were good against the pass last year. But we also need to have more of a force in the run game. We will, and that has been emphasized. We are going to tackle better. We are going to get down. We are going to read our keys better. We are going to know that it's not just about stopping the past. We are going to stop the run. Sometimes you get too much put on the defensive line and linebackers when it comes to run defense. We've got a lot to do with that, too, now. It's not just the pass is good, we're good. A lot of those pass breakups could be the defensive line batting down a pass or quarterback hurry or some kind of ball disruption. We are all in this thing together. If we're going to be the best, it has to be run and pass. So that's a, a bit of a difference from the, the defensive backs kind of approach uh, previously as well. We've been looking for more out of the front, out of the defensive line and linebackers, but it just hasn't quite been there from the defensive backs as well. Halfley is not ignorant of that. He wants things to change. So there's the timeline. There's a little bit about the scheme. We'll talk more about the scheme here in a second. What have other people said about him? 
Well, I want to bring up the quote from Matt LaFleur in the Packers.com official press release because it aligns so well with what so many other people have said about Halfley. Quote, Jeff has had success at every stop of his coaching career with an impressive track record for developing players at every level. We are look forward to him leading our defense. End quote. There it is again, talking about uh, developing players, implementing schemes, stuff like that. And he does it with a specific style that has stood out to people before. Here's the Boston Globe, February 2021. Quote, Boston College football coach Jeff Halfley won his press conference by exuding enthusiasm and competence without being over the top. The new coach also needs commitment from the administration to support him, maybe starting with the practice facility. End quote. That, I mean, you can turn it into a marketing pitch too, but enthusiasm and competence. I would say that tracks with what, what I have read and heard of Halfley as well. Of note, speaking of the kind of person that he is, he was there with uh, Boston College offensive lineman Zion Johnson when he was drafted in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. Halfley was one of the people there to congratulate him. I think that says a little bit about his character as well. So let's hear a little bit more from the man himself. We've already talked about what he said about um, defensive backs and wanting them to be get involved. We've heard a little bit about, about his thoughts on the scheme. What does he think about Jeff Halfley as a person? Well, here's a quote. Uh, as he came on board in early 2020 with Boston College, he said this in his introductory press conference, quote, I don't just see myself as a football coach. In order to lead, you have to get to know people. You can't lead people unless you get to know them. How do you get to know people? It takes time. It takes effort. But that's life. That's the most important thing to me is the relationships I have with people, with my family, with the people I get to coach. And we will put that time in. It becomes special, end quote. Just for a little bit more behind the scenes on who Halfley is as a person, here's a little anecdote from Trevor Haas, a Boston Globe correspondent from a story in November of 2022. Quote, Boston College football coach Jeff Halfley keeps a card with his father's name on it near his computer as a constant reminder to push through challenging times. When Halfley coached at Pittsburgh in his late 20s, he learned that his father, Greg Halfley, had colon cancer and was given three weeks to live. Doctors told Greg that chemotherapy may kill him faster, but he elected to do it. He'd rather fight through it and know that he fought than just let it kill him, Halfley said. Halfley at times had to carry his father out of chemo sessions because he was too weak to walk, but he is forever grateful that his father showed him the value of resilience. Greg Halfley ended up living for an additional year, and Jeff cherished those extra moments they spent together before he died November 14, 2011. If he can fight through that, what can't I fight through, said Halfley, who spent the 2011 season closer to the family home in New Jersey while on Rutgers staff. When things get hard and you lose games, that's where my mind goes. If I can't be inspired to fight and coach and play a game that I'm blessed to coach and he can go through that, then I'm not a real leader. That's probably the biggest inspiration in my life, end quote. Powerful stuff, I think, that needs no extra explanation. On a lighter note, uh, back to the Next Man Up podcast, Adam Brenneman asked him if he still keeps tabs on the NFL at all, and he said he did. Here's some of the scheme stuff that he watches uh, at the NFL level. But I still try to watch a lot of NFL tape to stay updated with what the trends are in that league, yeah. too. Um, and you can see, like, everyone was running the, the Seattle defense, and there's still a lot of teams doing that. Now, Coach Fangio's defense, it's that yeah. whole cult of people are doing yeah. that. So those are fun things to study. So big fan of the, the Rex Ryan, uh, Mike Pettentree, big fan of the, the Fangio stuff, but I think 
he is going to be more like Robert Sala, hopefully, uh, than some of these other guys that we've we've seen in Green Bay recently. So the bottom line after all this, we've talked about his coaching journey. We've talked about what people think of him. We've talked about you know what he thinks of himself, who he is as a person. Why did the Packers hire Jeff Halfley? First, I think because he's a teacher and a communicator. I think at the most basic level of football, I'm talking NFL football here specifically, but I think it can be any any level of football, the scheme is always going to be secondary. The plays that you always that you have are going to be secondary. A team that executes simple plays well, I think is going to have an advantage over teams that are weighed down by the complexity of their scheme. And if you've got a complex scheme and the players to run it, by all means, do that. But a guy who can effectively communicate what he wants people to do regardless of scheme, is going to have a leg up because just executing is going to put you ahead of so many so many teams in the NFL. I mean, just look at how the Packers kind of fell apart against the 49ers at times. The George Kittle touchdown across the middle happens because Anthony Johnson Jr. goes the wrong way in a key moment. He covers the wrong guy. And instead of covering George Kittle coming down the middle, instead of being you know, where he's supposed to be, he's someplace else, and Darnell Savage has no help over the top, and Purdy just lost one down the middle, and there's Kittle strolling into the end zone. If you can effectively communicate so people know where they're supposed to be, it doesn't matter how complex the rest of your scheme is because you're going to avoid errors like that. But then secondly, I think they do like what Halfley brings to the team from a scheme perspective. He's got a very versatile background. He comes from an aggressive attacking tree. Uh, He does different things with the personnel than what we've seen before. I think that is intriguing. Just the fact that he's different from Joe Barry and different from Mike Pettin, despite having some experience in the Pettin way of doing things, I think gives him a significant leg up, and that, that is great to hear. And I think this is a, a solid hire. This is what we were looking for, a big swing, and he does some different interesting things on defense. To close, want to take a couple questions here. Uh, got one that actually popped up before the last episode, but I think is extra applicable now because of who the Packers have ended up hiring. Uh, new Discord member Yojo Mojo, by the way, patreon.com slash thepowersweep. Uh, contribute any dollar amount per month, and you can have access to our Discord server, among other benefits. Fantastic place to hang out and talk football, and it's been a blast to be in there the last couple of days as everybody's reacted to this and shared what they're they're learning and hearing about uh, Jeff Halfley. Uh, but uh, anyway, that all aside, check the show notes for more information. Yojo Mojo asks this, quote, with the Packers interviewing Auden Dirty recently, who comes from a 4-3 defense, if Green Bay moved to a 4-3, how would the current roster likely fill those positions? End quote. So there's really two answers to this question. First, again, don't really worry about the 3-4-4-3 difference all that much. Schematic differences are not going to matter that much as far as your base stuff goes. What's more important with Halfley and with just about any defensive coordinator in the NFL now is what they're doing on the back end. And the good news there is that Barry, or Halfley seems to be a departure from what Barry was doing in that area. Then if you're going to be in nickel defenses anyway, which most teams in the NFL are, you're only going to have six people in your front regardless. So just do the math. If you've got five defensive backs in the field, that means there's only six other guys that can go anywhere else. 
Are you ever going to be in a 4-3 or a 3-4 if you only have six people in your front? No. 4 plus 3 is 7. 3 plus 4 is 7. If you're a nickel, you can't really be in a 4-3 or a 3-4. It, it just doesn't matter. But are there still some philosophical differences that matter? I think yes in some ways. And it, it basically comes down to what you're going to have that fourth guy on the line doing. In a 3-4 or a 4-3, you're probably going to have at least four guys on the line of scrimmage regardless. And I mean on the line of scrimmage at the snap of the ball. A 3-4 is predicated in large part, if you go back to the roots, uh, some of the, the most, I, I think, important roots, Dick LeBeau, Dom Capers, uh, even even a guy like Vic, Vic Fangio who learned a lot of stuff from Capers. If you look at what those guys did, they want to confuse the opposing offense by having five guy, guys across in the front, three down linemen and two linebackers, and dropping one of those two linebackers or even a, a defensive lineman sometimes and get get in passing lanes. It, fire zone techniques and stuff like that all, all came around in the 90s because of guys like LeBeau and Capers and stuff like that. You still have some of that in a 3-4 or 4-3 defense, especially in a 3-4 defense, but you're, you're going to end up with four guys at least rushing the passer from being on the line. So what are those guys going to do? In a 4-3, you're going to have four down linemen. Obviously, if you're in, in the base, you're going to have a defensive tackle, a true like almost quasi-nose guy, or maybe lining up between the center and guard, going to have your three-technique defensive tackle, think Warren Sapp, kind of the, the archetypal, archetypal example there, um, lining up on the outside shoulder of a guard, two defensive ends with their hands on the ground at or near the tackles. In a 3-4, you've got your nose tackle right over the center, ends head up on the tackle, one outside linebacker rushing, one dropping, and there's your four. You got the three, you got the four, away you go. But if you're a nickel, chances are your personnel is going to look like this regardless. You're going to have two defensive linemen, two edge rushers who could be outside linebackers or defensive ends, and then two off-ball linebackers and five defensive backs. And then you start swapping in another defensive back for a linebacker or another defensive back for one of your outside linebackers, stuff like that. The defenses start, or the differences start to break down really quickly. So what do those third or fourth or maybe fourth and fifth guys on the line do that differentiates the 4-3 and 3-4? Well, if you're in a 3-4, your two outside linebackers, your two edge rushers are usually going to be standing up, but not always. If you're in a 4-3, those two outside linebackers will be defensive ends, and they'll be rushing from a three-point stance, but not always. As far as the Packers are concerned, this gets relevant for, the, for, the, for them as we paint a picture of what they could look like in nickel. So if you've got your two defensive linemen, you're going to have Kenny Clark and either TJ Slayton or Devontae Wyatt or Devontae Wyatt or Carl Brooks, something like that. Your outside linebackers are going to be Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith or Lucas, Lucas Van Ness. And then your off-ball linebackers are probably at this point going to be Quay Walker and Isaiah McDuffie. I'm kind of ruling Devontae Campbell out at this point. I, it seems like a foregone conclusion, but you never know. And then you've got to have your five defensive backs. The question here. This is what the 4-3 to 3-4 difference boils down to with the Packers, is basically what they have Preston Smith and Lucas Van Ness doing. Are they dropping into coverage or are they rushing the, uh, rushing the passer? Or are they standing up or putting their hand down? Now, Lucas Van Ness really took off down the stretch rushing with his hand down. 
maybe he just maybe that's all the the difference is for the Packers here. They have Lucas Van Ness rush with his hand down. And to that point, Rashawn Gary did that almost exclusively in college. That was a big part of his transi- transition to the NFL was going from being a hand down defensive end to a stand up outside linebacker. But all those little things aside, you're probably not going to see huge changes to the front. You may see Rashawn Gary rushing with his hand down. I'd expect to see Lucas Van Ness continue to do it, but I don't expect wholesale changes up front. Brian Gutekunst also doesn't anticipate very big changes up front. He talked to the media today. Normally, that would have been the focus of our podcast, but there was some other news going on, so we decided to talk about that instead. But Gutekunst doesn't see, seem to think you're going to see a big personnel change uh, for the Packers just because Halfley has taken over? Not, not not a ton. You know, I think, you know, this league's a 4-2-5 nickel league, and I think I'm certainly, as Jeff comes in, we're very excited about that, you know, the conversations about kind of how, you know, we're going to want to play, and we obviously through the interview process we had some of those. So, um, and that'll be, a, you know, a work in progress. But, um, you know, as far as how we go about our process and scouting and what we're looking for, probably won't change a ton. Um, but those conversations will be had over the next few weeks. The approach may not change, but where they're going to have to spend some resources is going to be a focus here. Because if you're doing more interesting stuff in the secondary, you have to be more aggressive in the secondary. The Packers are going to need some help in the secondary because right now, as I look at it, they've got serious question marks at safety and serious question marks at every corner spot other than wherever Jair Alexander is playing. So big questions there for the Packers. That leads us to our second question, a pair of questions from Janelle in our Discord server. What is a, a single high defense, and what does a single high deep safety look like? So we, we've talked a, a little bit on this podcast, and you'll see it throughout the discourse surrounding Halfley, about things like single high coverage or middle of the field open or middle of the field closed coverages. This is a bit of a pet peeve of mine in football coverage because, well, it kind of comes downstream from from football coaches themselves. So football is a very jargon-heavy sport. You need to have specific descriptions for specific things you want people to do, and that all is fine in the self-contained world of football. But then you've got people who cover football who, instead of explaining what's going on, want to sound like football people themselves or maybe former football people now that work in the media. So they either want to use the jargon so they sound like football people or they're just football people and they don't know any different. They just start using things like cover one, cover two, cover three, blah, blah, blah. And they don't bother explaining it to people. So real quickly, coverages, single high coverage is just one safety deep. And the easiest way to learn this stuff is to just play Madden, look through a Madden playbook It's really simple. Or failing that, just Google cover one Madden and you will see plague diagrams for where a single high safety is going to stand. Single high, just one safety deep, usually man coverage underneath. Not always. Sometimes you can play this with two safeties and have the other safety dropping down into the box for run support to do something that they call a robber, uh, depending on the scheme. But it's just another way to trick defenses or offenses, excuse me. But single high is just one safety deep. Too high is usually cover two. That means if one safety is cover one or single high, cover two, too high, is two safeties deep. This is the stereotypical coverage of the Tampa two. That's, that is the two in the Tampa two. You have two deep safeties. That is cover two. Cover three 
is again, just usually a single safety look, but you're often having your cornerbacks drop deep as well, playing with thirds coverage. Everybody's taking a third of the field, cover three, you have three guys going deep. And then you figure out how that goes from there with cover four. We're back to a split safety look. So uh, this is a, a middle-of-the-field open look. Two safeties are deep, and then you've got your corners on the outsides dropping deep as well. That's cover one, two, three, and four. Of those four, one and three are generally considered middle-of-the-field closed coverages because your safety, your single deep safety, is ending up in the middle of the field. Your safety is in the middle. The middle of the field is now closed. Your split safety looks, cover two and cover four, have two safeties deep. They're deep and taking middle portions of the field, but not the exact middle of the field, so the middle of the field is open. You may see these abbreviated as MOFO or MOFO. That's something else entirely, but it is the abbreviation in football. Or MOFC, middle of the field closed, middle of the field open. And then if you want to get really crazy, you see this a lot with Fangio tree stuff, but other other coverages as well. You you get cover six, which totally blows all of this out of the water, where you have two guys going deep playing quarters, and then a another guy playing a stereotypical almost cover two look, taking half of the field. That's cover six, sometimes referred to as quarter quarters half, or half quarters quarters, depending on where the guys are lining up. So that is what a single high coverage is. A single high deep safety, if you want to boil it down to one guy, Look at what Earl Thomas did for the Seattle Seahawks. He is the perfect example of uh, of what a cover, uh, not a cover one, but like a, a single high safety is. Sideline to sideline speed, ball, hawks, uh, uh, ball hawking skills, and just being willing to come down hard against the run when he needs to. That's it. That's the whole package. And he was so good at it for so long uh, that he helped hold down that defense. You could have a great defense just by having him and Richard Sherman and a third guy out there. And the third guy was often pretty good for the Seattle Seahawks as well. But Earl Thomas is that guy. So you're looking for a guy with that kind of range, with that kind of speed, who can play deep and just hold it down by himself. That's basically it. And I know we use that as an example in the in the last podcast of things that do not necessarily travel with your scheme. But that's the idea. You want to have somebody who can do that or at least approximate it, and that's going to get you on the road to having a good defense. So there's all I can give you on February 1st about Jeff Halfley. That was 14 pages of podcast notes, threw it in 42 minutes. That's all I've got for you. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I'm excited for the Jeff Halfley era. It's going to be different, and it's going to be exciting, and maybe we crash and burn Who knows? But we'll find out together, and I'm excited to watch it come together. If you enjoyed this show, I would appreciate it if you would share it with somebody you think would enjoy it too that's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.